Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hey, fellow brain pickers, and welcome to episode 121 of Can I Pick Your Brain? Can words really destroy or transform your life? Can the choice of words you use mean the difference between failing and succeeding in everything you wish to achieve? Do your words really shape your reality? Well, my guest today believes the answer to is a resounding yes. After an unexpected divorce, losing her first child, having to raise an autistic son and manage a stressful business, Mary Shaw's hit rock bottom. She spiraled into a deep depression and found herself losing all hope until she discovered that by simply changing the words she used, she could take back control of her life. As always, here's a short rap I prepared for my guest. Here goes. Sometimes life ain't fair, who could prepare for such despair? Feelings of depression, the wild obsession, therapy session after session, spiraling deeper into recession. But then a moment of insight, we don't have to fight for the right to ignite. Life doesn't have to be blurred, it's all about the power of the word. Liberated like a free bird, it may sound absurd. Too good to be true, says the pessimistic you, but she's living proof that it's true. So now, without further ado, I welcome to you someone who can help open your doors. It's the one and only Mary Shores. Mary, welcome to the show, and thanks for letting me pick your brain. I am so excited to be here. I've never experienced something like that. I cannot wait to tell my kid about it. Your kid? Which one? <laughs> Both of them, because, you know, they're really into these epic rap battles. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to nominate you for their epic rap battle contest. Yay! By the way, there's going to be background music to that, which I put in afterwards. So uh, you'll get a little hip-hop rhythm uh, in the background there. Um by the way, Mary, I'm going to say this, and I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to say this now. When I did your intro, I was like, oh my goodness me, like, I, this is this is for real? This actually happened? And when I, I just did a video chat with you just now, we kind of hit it off with your peanut butter and everything else, we won't go into details, but you look like, uh, I would never imagine that you went through what you went through. I'm serious. Like I, I, I don't know if you're a really great actress or, or, or not, but like literally, I, 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 cannot be I can't believe that I'm saying what I'm saying. When, I'm reading the, when I was reading the intro, I was like, hold on, did, is this the right guest? Have I messed up here? Like, is this the same person? Like, this can't be. You know, I totally am feeling where you're going with that because I think that over the years and and perhaps i haven't understood this because you know it's my life but people seem to be extremely fascinated with the amount of things that i've overcome you know like and there's things that you don't even know like for example i've been out on my own since i was 16 years old and i turned around and started my first company at 24 and built that company into a huge seven, oh, actually eight figure business and just like continue to persevere through through one scenario after another that mm. for a lot of people, it just destroys them. And I think that people are always looking for what is that difference? And I know that for me personally, it's always been that the most beautiful and impactful part of your story is in the moment and how you triumphed and moved on. Mm-hmm. 
You know, it's interesting though. It's I didn't in, I didn't include that in the intro because I, that wasn't in your bio. You don't mention anything about building an eight-figure business anywhere in your bio. Is there a reason for that? Hmm. You know, I think that because right now I'm really focused on mindset and I'm focused on, you know, telling a story that, that meets people at the level where they're at right now. And a lot of times that does come out in the conversation, depending on if it's an entrepreneurial show mm-hmm. or, you know, depending on what the flavor of the show is. Cause that's certainly part of my story. Um, but I think that always the more fascinating part is how you got there. Mm-hmm. So, Take us back to, because I know that at some point in your life, you went to a Tony Robbins event, right? And uh, and something happened at the event, which kind of really transformed your life. And it's very interesting, because when I read that, I kind of I kind of laughed, because I was thinking, I just wrote a book called The Self-Help Addict. And, and I talk about how people go to Tony Robbins events, and then they just do nothing, right? They just kind of get there, they go, yeah, and he goes, yeah, and you go, yeah, and everyone goes, yeah, and then you write down your, your goals for your life, and you walk on some hot coals, and you feel amazing, and you feel like a superhero, and then you go home, and you just kind of roll over in bed and go, what, what am I doing now? <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, raise your hand, say I. I. I want his voice. I, I love how you just painted that. I mean, you, you might be the parallel version of me, but over in the other country, over <laughs> in the motherland. But here, here's the thing, that I was definitely this weekend workshop warrior, like obsessed. And I, I got so excited when I recently on LinkedIn saw your book floating around because that was me self-help addict. You know, I've definitely got my 10,000 hours in and I am an expert now at personal growth and development. Mm -hmm. Well, my, you know, sometimes it's like, what was that entry point to that? And I agree because when it's like everyone's looking for this instant transformation. You know, we we live in a world of instant everything, Instagram, Facebook, you can have anything you want at your fingertips within five or 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to personal transformation, we're, we're sort of looking for that quick fix. And you go to these events and just like you described it, the imagery that you described was so perfect because my feeling was like, you go to these events, you get all excited and I'm looking around the room and everyone's talking about how they had a transformation in Mm. a weekend. And then I look in the mirror and think, wait a second, I'm still the same person. Like what's (laughs) wrong with me? I failed my Mm. date with destiny. How's that possible? But then like what I noticed, is just like what you said, three weeks later, you talk to that new best friend you just made that walked on coals with you. And what you realize is three weeks later, their life hasn't changed at all. And really, they were just riding high on the immersion of the event because you're, you know, you're away from your real life, you're Mm -hmm. away from problems, you're away from your spouse, your children, your work, you're away from emails. And you're with you know, in some cases, thousands of people who are like minded. Mm -hmm. And that creates this euphoria. So you believe that you changed your life, but Mm -hmm. really, you haven't changed anything. And so in 2005, when I had my first like experience like this, and I think that perhaps I'm really good at processing these events differently now, because what I realized, especially after like my own multiple years journey, is that and wanting to constantly fix my life is that transformation does not happen in a weekend workshop. 
transformation happens in small pivots over time. And when you go to those workshops, it's really the takeaways that you can learn to apply to your life. And so at Tony Robbins, I learned two things, Mm -hmm. and I think you're going to like both of them. Yeah. It was uh, what you focus on grows and always know your outcome. And so even though it was 50 hours of I want to repeat that. So what you focus on, what you focus on grows. And the second one was... Always, Always know your outcome. Know your outcome. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I like both of those yeah, things. I thought you would. So, you know, there was 50 hours of content at that event, but I didn't worry about everything I learned in that 50 hours. I just took those two things, focus and outcome. Hmm. And I went back to my little office. I think I probably had, I don't know, 12 or 14 employees. This was in 2005. And um, I sat down. And I tried to explain to them Tony Robbins. Plus, I made them jump up and down a lot, and they <laughs> hated me for it. <laughs> I could picture I you. I literally in. made my staff um, oh my rebound. And <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant. I threaten them with it today. Whenever they get out of line, I'm like, watch out. I'm going to make you jump up and down. <laughs> so anyway, here's the thing. I took that piece of advice, and I I didn't think big. I actually thought small. And I looked at the phone and I said, I want the next person who calls to be happier at the end of the call than they were at the beginning of the call. And that moment literally changed the trajectory of my entire rest of my life. Wow. How long ago was And this was 2005. Yes, it was. And you still do that. Still, t- well, it became it became the foundation of what later became a uh, a training that I give, which is called Words That Work, and it became the foundation of my book, Conscious Communications: Your mm-hmm. Step by Step Guide to Harnessing the Power of Your Words mm. to Change Your Mind, Your Choices, and Your Life. And it's it's become the foundation of the way of my life and everyone in my inner circle. Let's rewind for a second. So. 2005, obviously, there was something that prompted you to go to that event. Um, What was the year that was the darkest year for you? Oh, you know, it was actually after that. Really? You know, and that's another great point to make because sometimes you have these pivotal moments in your life where the light bulb goes off, but that doesn't mean that nothing bad is ever going to happen again. So Hmm. in 2008, I was going through a divorce and I was not someone that saw this divorce coming. It wasn't like I had a troubled marriage. I had um, been married about, I'd been married 10 years Mm -hmm. and, you know, it was just this circumstance that my ex-husband just changed almost overnight. He went from the kind of husband and father that was very supportive and a loving dad and always playing with our two boys to someone who just started not coming home at night, started drinking, um, just just encountered all of these problems. And going through this divorce is really the thing that I probably came the closest to death as I ever have in my entire life. And I know that everyone believes that their divorce is is the worst that you can ever possibly go through. But for whatever reason, um, yeah, this just destroyed me. In fact, Daniel, I probably spent the next two years being completely um, at the bottom, like a, like a shattered glass 
just at the end of my rope, I literally thought that I was just going to whittle away like my business would eventually file bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought I was just going to become this like penniless bag lady. Oh my goodness. And I felt that way for two years. Like I, I couldn't function. I couldn't run my business. I had to have gatekeepers around me at all times. Um, but you know, it's so funny how you're so supported and you're so loved because right before that it happened, I'd actually hired my brother who was fresh out of law school and I hired this personal assistant. And so I sort of had this like support system and I'd, I'd had employees that had been with me for so very long and they were really able, my team was able to rally and keep things going. And by the way, this was also at the very beginning of the um, economic downturn that we started to have. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, that that next couple of years was really difficult. Hmm. So uh, when, I guess, at what point did you kind of realize that I mean, words it's it's interesting because when i when i read your bio so the honest truth when i read your bio i thought oh crap not another one of these not another not another coach not another ah oh, man why did i say yes to this interview all right uh. no I'm, I'm being i'm being honest i i never i if i if i if i feel something um i'll let you know you know, like I'll, I'll, I'll bring it out because I honestly believe it's better to bring it out onto the table and, and let people know rather than just kind of, you know, keep it inside. And then it, it's just a fake relationship otherwise. So um, and obviously I'm not just going to come out and say, you know, I didn't want you and now I've got you because then I wouldn't have you on the show. Right. I would have just made an excuse, you know, oh, I'm sick. I can't, you know, can't do the show. Um, but when I first my immediate reaction was, oh, God, another one of these. Yeah, you just need to speak it and then it will come into reality and just think it and just say these affirmations. And I mean, my whole book is all about the fact that the only way to really get out of it is to do it. It's to take action. That's the only way to get out of your own head. So I kind of thought, oh, no, what am I going to do here? I'm going to get on a show with a guest and I'm basically going to you know, challenge them on what they believe in. And then I said, yeah, why not? Let, let's yeah, see. Let's yeah, let's do it. Yeah, like why not? Let's see what they I'm say. Down. You know, so I'm going to challenge you on it. Um, I, 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 f- my experience has been that just simply saying everything is great and everything's wonderful and you're incredible and you're amazing and you're a beast, like that doesn't just doesn't do it. It doesn't do it. Does uh, you know? You could stand there till you're blue in the face saying things, but ultimately until you actually go out and do something, then nothing happens right that's right i agree with you and i'm gonna so you you brought up a couple things here so first you asked me like when did i sort of figure this out and i think what you're looking for is you know why do i why do i think this why do i believe it and then you're also like really calling out the fact that you know why why doesn't it seem to work? Or maybe why does it seem to work for some people and not others? And so there's a there's a really great discussion that we can have um, surrounding this. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, for, full disclosure, I am not a life coach. I'm not a life coachy type of person. Right. I am a CEO of a debt collection company. Oh god! So what that means <laughs> is that I am the bill collector. Oh no. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you more now. Oh my God. Oh my God. So not only are you one of these, you know, uh, coachy, life coachy type people, but you're also a debt collector. The two worst. What else? Do you sell insurance as well? (laughs) What else are you going to tell? No, I'm not. 
I'm, I'm not a life coach. I, I don't right. do any I life know. coaching. Um, right. I, I'm kind of in your camp where I, I, I have some resistance to even the concept of it. So let me dial back for a minute. Yeah. One of the one of the reasons that I was able to understand the power of words, it first starts with um, my daughter who passed away in 1993. She had a severe brain injury. And so that sort of led me down this path of wanting to learn about the brain and and learning just how the brain functions in general. And I, I call myself a neuro nerd, meaning that like neurology is just like my juice right now. And then like after she passed away and I have my son who's on the autism spectrum, you know, the autism spectrum is a disorder of the nervous system and it's a neurological disorder. And so he ha his thinking process is very black and white. And the words that I say to him is very different than the words I would say to someone else. Mm -hmm. But the real reality for me came was when I began to understand the power of words that I would say in the process of collecting a debt because my mission at my company, because remember I said I wanted the person to be happier at the end of the call. Now mm -hmm. that doesn't sound like the average debt collector, but my mission is that I want people to feel good about paying a debt. Because oh, this is great. I love this. Is a, it's a psychological burden and it will keep people in this sort of feeling of unworthiness and shame. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm talking about the power of words, you know, I know which words are going to trigger fight or flight. So when you heard me say debt collector, you have an immediate reaction. Yeah to the words debt collector, right? <laughs> if I said I was a massage therapist, you, yeah. you probably wouldn't have had that reaction. <laughs> you would have had some, oh, here we go. Here's another massage therapist. <laughs> anyway, I'm just making fun of you. No, a little bit. I, I, no it's fine. You can you can do that. It's it's my <laughs> show. I mean, you could you could put me down on my show. That's all right. It's not, you know. Do you, do you have a so, show? Do you have a show? Because I'll come, come on yours and we can, I could just, you know, return the favor. Well, you could be episode number one. We'll talk. Okay. We'll talk later about it's a that. Good idea. You should definitely so, have a show. So here's the thing, like, and here's where, to your point and what you're saying, you and I are actually perfectly aligned because, like, I think we've got this sort of what I I'm saying this. I, I, I don't know. You know, I don't want to offend anybody, but I feel like we're in the middle of this positive psychology movement mm -hmm. that really leads to a lot of bullying because yeah you're you know what we're not just happy all the time if happiness were, were a choice we'd all be happy all the time and it's not as simple the solution isn't just to pretend that you're happy and say like you said oh i'm a millionaire and i've got the perfect body because that doesn't work and as a matter of fact daniel the research is going to support the fact that if you use affirmations you know the the people that teach oh say things as if they're already true yeah well, if you've trained yourself to do that, well, then that's great because what I find is there's like two sides. There's the people who can do that and it, and it makes them feel great. And then there's the people who, like you and I who are realists who say, uh-uh, mm -hmm. that's not true. And if you say an affirmation that's not true, what's actually going to happen is it's going to reinforce the negative neural network or it's going to mourn the, the, this neural pathway in your subconscious. Mm -hmm. The one that is keeping you from that is going to be reinforced. And so so I am a big believer in affirmations and I, I love using them, but mm. not in that traditional way yeah. of saying things. So what I do is I look at my situation and like I even posted 
one this morning on LinkedIn that was like, something amazing is going to happen today. Yeah, you said and me, Daniel Geffen. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. my something amazing. So every right. morning, I just sort of say, something amazing is going to happen today. Mm. And you know what? I don't, I don't have these like giant expectations like I'm going to win the lottery. But I believe that my mindset is my currency. Mm. And... The way that, you know, when you're when you at the beginning of the show, you're looking at all of these things that I've been through in my life and and then you're looking at like who you see me to be. And it's like, how did you get there? Well, mm -hmm. you know, I spent one year and I was so resistant to affirmations. I couldn't even speak them. So I wrote them down. Mm -hmm. But instead of saying like, oh, I am a best selling author, mm. I, I I wrote something like. Every day, ideas, like more ideas are coming to me every day. You know, I, I wrote mm -hmm. simple things. Yeah. You know what's really interesting, by the way? As you're speaking, I'm thinking to myself, Daniel, you freaking do this. You, you do this. Meaning, like, I don't stand there in the morning and say, I am great. I am awesome. I'm going to be, I'm going to have a great day. I don't do that. But. I started realizing that I do say things that haven't happened yet. For example, I tell almost every single potential client that I have that Geffen Media Group is going to be the biggest podcast agency in the world. And I say it over and over and over and over. And I, I've said it so many times, I really believe it. Like, I really, really believe it, right? Um, my, my book, when I published my book, we actually printed on the inside page... Um, number one, no, sorry, not the inside page. We printed a copy. We didn't, sorry, we designed a copy with number one international bestseller on the cover because I was that confident that it's going to become an international bestseller. And I did so, the same thing. In fact, yeah. I put on my, like, I know what you're talking about, like my prop copy, mm -hmm. I um, put an endorsement from Oprah. No, she, <laughs> wait, hold on, you, you, did you get it? No, not oh, yet. Okay, I fine. mean, right. not yet. So, so like you, what you just said is a perfect example of what like my my take on this thing affirmations and the power of words is is that the deciding factor on how you use your affirmation is how that affirmation makes you feel. So if if something makes you feel like you are not congruent with your truth or you're not authentic, mm -hmm. then saying that affirmation is a waste of time and as a matter of fact it does more harm than good. But when right. you say what was it the Geffen Geffen agency, Media Group Geffen Media Group. <laughs> Get it right, girl. The Geffen right. Media Group is the largest something agency Podcast. in the world. And yeah. that statement makes you feel energized and good. Mm -hmm. Then what is happening is in your subconscious brain, it is reinforcing the neural networks that connect to the what I'll call like the um, stimulates the idea sectors of your brain so that what happens is when you are around an opportunity that matches up with your long-term result or like what I said before knowing your outcome then there's this part of your brain that goes ding 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 and then through your intuition and this doesn't feel like a process that's actually happening but it it totally is when that little like opportunity goes off then you decide I'm going to make a connection with that person 
you know, I'm I'm going to pursue this relationship. I'm going to take action on this goal. I'm going to write a write a plan for this. And but it, so the the affirmation is just one part of an overall process that supports you from going from where you're at right now to where you ultimately want to be at in the world. And so I love it that you just sort of had that light bulb moment of like you're realizing that you're doing the thing that you that you're sort of poking fun at at the same time because that's exactly what mm-hmm. I do. I roll my eyes every time I I hear this sort of like woo woo, <laughs> I don't know, fantasy world yeah. uh, <clears throat> manifestation talk. But like at the same time, I'm the person talking about manifestation, but I'm talking about it in a pragmatic, yeah. you know, here's how you do it without like <clears throat> thinking you're pulling some magical force out of the thin air. Yeah. So I love it. So we're talking about obviously a lot of theory, which is it's it's amazing. This stuff is life changing. But I want to get a little bit practical here. So for those listening, that are kind of you know they're kind of going, okay, this sounds great. Yeah, I I I I agree. I also think that I, I need to be more positive. The things that I say. Um, can we go to let's say a role play situation? So I owe debt, um, and you know you are calling me up as a debt collector on behalf of the person that I owe, the company that I owe money to. What kind of words do you use to, because, you know, if you called me up and you're like, hi, this is blah, blah, blah from debt collection agency, I'd be like, oh, sorry, Daniel's not available right now. <laughs> Click, you know, so what would you, give, give me an let's do a little role play here. So from the standpoint of me as the agency owner, what I'm the most interested in is number Mm -hmm. one, like making the person feel good about the fact that they're interested in paying the debt instead of making them feel shame and overburdened for having the debt in the first place. And that starts with, that starts with empathy and validation. So let's do it. You call me up and call me up and tell me your thing we can do you want to do the real full out role play yeah i'd love to um so okay okay, so i owe let's say i owe money to uh i don't know telephone company for example right oh you horrible person yeah you know what it is is it (laughs) it pisses me off because i went to france okay and my data was switched i didn't realize that data was on and it basically charged you guys charged me a thousand dollars for data usage, I didn't realize that 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 my phone had the data st- still on in in France. By the way, and this actually happened. By the way, um, and so now I'm on the phone with the with the cell phone company, and I'm losing it because a thousand dollars for data. I didn't even do anything. It was just switched on. Like, come on, guys, cut me some slack here. Yeah, you know, Daniel, thank you so much for telling me that. I. I just want to tell you that it's going through what you've gone through. It's so frustrating and I can completely understand how frustrated you are. The great news is that we can, we can update all of your information and discuss what your options are. Mm-hmm. So now, okay, that was just a little silly thing off the top of my head, but, he, but here's the point. The thing that you said, like, this is a real story that happened to you and immediately before you even have to make the phone call to whoever it is, and it's not even the debt collectors, it's just anytime you have to call customer service, it puts you in this level of fight or flight. So before you even make the phone call, you're sort of in this space where you're going to come across as irrational because you're stressed out. 
Right. And so for the person who's in my position, the very first thing I need to do is validate what you've said by saying, you know what, that sounds so frustrating. You know, anyone who's been in that situation, yeah, it's frustrating. And at that point, it's really important because it makes the person feel heard. And then what you want to do is, you know, plant a seed of happiness, plant a seed that there's going to be a, a positive outcome. Because what I hear so often when I talk to someone in a customer service role, they would say, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, you went to France, you know, you could have called us before your trip, we would have switched this to you. Unfortunately, I'm sorry, blah, 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 right? Mm -hmm. And it just, what happens is I call it this frequency scale of emotions. You know, everything that comes out of my mouth is either going to cleanse or clog this relationship. So if I start saying words to you like, unfortunately, then you know that anything else that comes out of my mouth is going to not be what you want to hear. Correct. But if I say, you know what, Daniel, I've got great news for you, then you might go from like a zero on the frequency <laughs> scale up to like a five. Right. Like, like, oh my gosh, this person actually wants to help me. What you if know, you don't? Like, what if, well, one second. What if you don't have great news for me? What if you know I've got to pay that debt, and there's there's no good news about that because I don't want to pay it. I'm trying. So like, there's always. You know, I understand where you're going, and like it's. The, the trainings that I do, they're, they're very targeted and intricate. So without like lots and lots of details, it's, it's difficult to pick apart an exact, yeah. exact conversation. But what I can say is there is always a phrase that matches the person's situation that will do what I say is planting a seed of a positive outcome. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be the phrase, I've got great news. Right. Um, but I can tell you in your in the story you just said, I would say there's great news because the majority of the time the phone companies will um, look at that bill, put it under review and adjust the charges accordingly. That mm -hmm. is like what the situation that you described is pretty much an everyday situation. Right. So probably there would be great news. Right. But let's say there's a situation um where it's not. So I wouldn't say I've got great news, but I would say a phrase that plants a seed of just letting the person know it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. You know, like, listen, I understand you. I've heard you. I assure. So I could say, I assure you that I'm going to investigate this to the fullest and I'm going to come up with the best possible outcome for you. Because you're right. At the end of the day, you know, people still have to pay the bill. That's the fair and the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. But why should they be treated badly in the process? Right. No, I hear that. I should get you for bedtime when I'm trying to put my kids to bed. And maybe you could talk them into going into bed. Oh, hi, kids. I've, I've brought over the friendly debt collector to tell you a <laughs> bedtime story. <laughs> You're not the debt collector. You're the you're the words woman, the power <laughs> wor powerful words woman. That's what you are. You know, I decided a long time ago. Uh, the first time when I discovered Louise Hay, who is the the founder of Hay House Publishing, and and she's just she she just she is a force for good. You know, in the 80s, mm -hmm. she was creating a foundation to support AIDS patients when no one else would even go near, right. you know, someone with HIV or AIDS. You know, she was creating, um, they used to call it the hayride, where she would just invite hundreds of these people over to have mm -hmm. these conversations and talk to them and tell them that they weren't horrible people. Mm -hmm. And 
I decided a long time ago, I am Louise Hayes protege. And the funny thing is, and before we were talking about affirmations, like I literally just started saying that as an affirmation like three weeks ago, because now I see the evidence that it's actually happening. But five years ago, and you know, like I, I shared with you that another thing we have in common is for 10 years, I wanted to write a book. And here's another thing about the power of words. You know, I wanted to write a book for 10 years, but my mantra or the things that were coming out of my mouth repetitively and and very involuntarily were, I want to write a book, but I'm not a writer. And the thing is that words very often are like a mirror. They're a mirror to your subconscious programming, like as if you can see these words written on my soul that this is my purpose to write this book. But I've got a big problem when the words, I'm not a writer, because those words are also a mirror to my subconscious and they are revealing to me that somewhere in my history I've created a belief that I really didn't believe that I was capable or had the proper skill set to write that book. So that's just another sort of insight about words and how the words that we say are a reflection of our inner world. You know what's really interesting? I wasn't going to bring it up but then you kind of said something that kind of got me to to think that you know what let me say it some people listening to this won't they won't get it they won't relate to it it won't speak to them but i guess i'll speak to the people who who it will um relate to so in my religion i'm jewish i'm orthodox jewish um we we our tradition um and our belief is that god created the world through speech Right. He didn't. Right. He didn't. He didn't wave a magic wand. He didn't um, build the world with his hands and create things with his hands, uh, sp- proverbial hands, right, so to speak. Um, he spoke it out. Right. Say, God let there be light. Right. God said, "Let right. there be light." Right. So it's very interesting, also, because the Hebrew word for speech, which is uh, dibor, and uh, and thing, like a thing, is uh, is the same. It's the same letters just spoken differently because words are real words are real it's interesting because when you if you think about it thoughts your thoughts are uh, how can i say this in a way that yeah it's interesting because speech is very limited at the same time your thoughts are in in you right they are they're not nobody knows what you're thinking they're very personal uh you can think things that you don't even want to think. They're just there. Suddenly they pop in. When you speak, you're, you're sharing a piece of yourself with someone else. It's, speech is the connection between you and the other person. And so it, it, really what we're talking about here is so deep. Uh, it's so profound. It's so much more than what people think because people just talk all the time, just like, no, 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 no. Words are really, I mean, there's so much power in words. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, if you think of prayer, people who are religious who pray, your your words are changing things in your life. When you ask God for something and, and if it's your belief that, that things happen when you pray, then through your speech, you are literally changing your life. You're changing, <laughs> it's... You know, and and, it, and even on a even more on a kind of humanistic level, if without going to spiritual, um, you could save someone's life. You could literally stand there, and someone's about to 
to jump or someone's about to take their own lives or, you know, and you could stand there and speak to them and your words can just penetrate their soul or penetrate their heart and change the whole course of of their what they're going to do in their in their life it's absolutely amazing and it's why I'm a podcaster because I believe that through speech you can impact people's lives and there's to me there's nothing more nothing more powerful than that wow i'm I'm really getting the chills in this moment. Like the everything you've said is the foundation of the entire reason that I wrote Conscious Communications. Daniel, I mean, you've just captured it in 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 that dialogue that that you just put forth because and I I don't know if this happened to you when you were writing, but it certainly happened to me where it's almost like the things that I was putting down on paper were really happening in my world. And, and almost like <laughs> I was somehow creating it as I was going. But I, yes. I think I was about halfway through the book and I woke up. This is a true story. I woke up one morning. It was 6 a.m. And the only my thought was I have to learn the Hebrew alphabet today. What? <laughs> I know, right? So I wake up and and it was this powerful, like, get up out of bed and learn the Hebrew alphabet. Like, who does that? What? So I went okay. to YouTube, which is like my own personal university. Right. Yeah. And I just typed in the Hebrew alphabet and I saw this class. So there was a there was a rabbi. He had recorded his Hebrew classes and put them on YouTube. So I start watching it and 20, I will never forget this. It was such a big moment in my life. By this time, it was probably 6.38 a.m. <laughs> and I'm 29 minutes into this video. And he says, there is a word in the English language that is the word that the magician uses when he pulls the rabbit out of the hat. Abracadabra. Oh, wow. So then he went on to explain, and I think this is the way he said it, and you can yep. certainly correct me, mm -hmm. but he said that the words abracadabra, and of course he said it with these like powerful rolling R's and H's, and I've tried to do it, and I can't, <laughs> uh, because it sounded so like robust, yeah. the way he said it. But he said it, and he goes, it's an ancient Aramaic word that means abara. I will create right. Kadabra as I speak. Yep. I will create as I speak. And in that moment, because at this point I was like struggling over what I was going to title the book. I was, you know, you have those moments in the writing process mm -hmm. where you're almost ripping your hair out, right? Yep. It's exciting. It's exciting, <laughs> but you know, you go down some rabbit holes. <laughs> but it was in that moment that I I could fully step into it because I thought and and. Um, Hebrew and, you know, like Orthodox Jew, like that to me is one of the most fascinating spiritual practices and spiritual foundations out there just because, I mean, the way the language is constructed, it's just, uh, I have Jew envy. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you next come to Israel, let me know. I'll give you the grand, the grand you mean, tour. You mean when I first come to Israel? Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> now we got to make it happen. Wow. <laughs> Let's speak it. Let's speak it out. No, what Let's you were saying about writing the book and then things coming true is so true because it's interesting. The, the title of the book, The Self-Help Addict, really describes me. 
it, it describes who I am. And what was really interesting was the catch-22, because if I am the self-help addict, then how can I write the book? I love it. No, I how, totally feel you. Because you know? when I first wanted to write a book, the title was going to be A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Transformation. Because that's me. Like, I was this person, like, hungry for a transformation, but it was like spirit had to drag me kicking and screaming through mine. Right. So I totally yeah. get it. Like, I, I, when I saw the cover of your book, I, I got really excited because you know what? Like, how you say it describes you, mm-hmm. there's going to be so many people that that title is just going to grab them in immediately. You've got a hook yeah. in your title. It's brilliant. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's funny because I think that just this week, I was, uh, I was doing something and then I was procrastinating about, about it. I was kind of going, ah. Oh. And then I said to myself, but Daniel... <laughs> You wrote about this in your book. Just follow your own advice, and so I. I, I do went that in, too. Right, right. <laughs> it's the funniest, and it keeps you accountable because, like, how can I write something that I don't do myself? I can't. I, that would make me a hypocrite. And so, yeah, the more you speak about things that you believe in, the more you have to, in a sense, believe in it. Otherwise, otherwise, you're just kind of, you know, a hypocrite, right? And you don't want to be a hypocrite. So it pushes you almost to just to just get it done. Um, well, in the standards, the standards that, and I haven't read your book yet. Um, the standards that you've set in your book, I'm assuming, it, just like the standards that I set in my book. You know, it's also this. I think there's this idea that we're not meant to be perfect. And I, in chapter five, I talk about this concept of cleanser clog, which is all about making choices through the lens of will this cleanse me or clog me Mm -hmm. and i and i also built in this 80 20 rule where it's like you know what 80 percent of the time if if you're making choices 80 percent of the time that are going to support you in the life you want to lead then you'll probably be okay but it's it's so true what you say about the book because so many times um, and actually other people, because I've had so many other people now who've read my book, that my friends, when I'm talking to them just about something happening in my life, they actually quote my book back to me. That's a little <laughs> yeah, bit weird. You'll have weird, that happen right? too. Yeah. That's so funny. And you know what's also interesting as well is that with words, it... I'll give you an example. Um, I know that my father loves me, for example, right? But I need him to say it, even though, you know, it's like my wife, she says, you know, you, you haven't told me you love, you know, you love me in a while. I'm like, but you know, I love you. I'm still with you for 11 freaking years. Like, what do you mean? Like, I, of course I love you. Right. You know, uh, and she's like, yeah, but I want you to say it. And I'm like, why? Because I need to hear it. And I always, it's always, I always found that fascinating because the truth is, is I, I relate. I know what she's talking about because with my own parents, I need to hear it. It's not enough that, okay, I know, I know, right? And so my father, pretty much my whole life, like he never said, I love you. He, because he, he came from a very different background. He came, his father was a Holocaust survivor and he was brought up in boarding school. His mother died when he was 13. She drowned in a lake. And, and so he, he just grew up around people who, they didn't say, I love you. They didn't give him hugs. They, there was no emotion. There was no affection. So even though he loved me, 
and he had these obviously these strong feelings for me i'm his son i'm his i'm his older son but he couldn't bring himself to say the words and i remember i went to one of these workshops and we were talking about um our fathers relationship with our fathers and i was in tears and at the end i said to myself i'm not going to let this moment pass and that's another thing that i talk about a lot is don't let that moment pass when you are in heat when you are emotionally charged that that is the time to take action because otherwise you'll cool down and you'll lose that moment so i i seized that moment i picked up the phone and i called my father and i and i said to him i said i want i want to let you know that um i don't need anything from you i know that you give i know that you gave me stuff growing up and i know that you try to you know help me out here and there with this and that but like what i really really want for you and 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 if you did this like it would just literally it would make my my life like it would it would be i said i just want you to call me up one day and just tell me that you love me that's it that's all i want and there's like this silence on the other line <laughs> and and he said i can't do it i can't I just, I don't know how. And I said to him, I believe in you. I know you can. I know that you can. And I told him I love him and, uh, and I wished him a good night and put down the phone. A couple of days later, I'm playing tennis and my phone rings. And so I stop the game. I go pick up, I see the phone and it's my dad. And I'm thinking, oh no. There must be an emergency because my dad only ever calls me when there's <laughs> when there's an emergency. I thought I hope no one died. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Um, and I pick up the phone, and he just says, "I love you." And in that moment, I I literally I was uh, uh, I felt like I was going to drop the phone. I thought I was just <laughs> like I I can't begin to put into words to describe to you what that did for me. I, I, I literally, I cannot. And all he said was three words. That's all he said. Three words. Wow. So yeah, so words are powerful. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm choking on my tears because um, that story was incredible and I just uh, I'm appreciating so much that you shared and it's it's so true my my son when he was um, he's 16 now his name is Hayden um, you can find him on Snapchat I'm sure <laughs> 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 he's got 2,000 followers according to him but um, okay. he said to me when he's 13 he said mom he said what's the most important thing you can say to your brother now, I thought he was going to say something dirty, like, <laughs> right. you know, with the word fart in it, because um, <laughs> yeah. he was 13. And right. he said, uh, he said, the most important thing you can say to your brother is, I love you. Mm. And I got really choked up because there's, um, oh, there's a book, there's a rabbi, his name's Steve Leader. He just wrote this book, More Beautiful Than Before, and I heard him give an interview where he said that some of the most hardest words in the in the language are telling someone you love them and telling someone you're sorry. sorry. 
And it's just incredible to hear that. But he then, my son, my 16-year-old son, Hayden, then said, um, Mom, what's the second most important thing you can say to your brother? And I said, what? And of course, by now, I was like totally hooked. And he said, I'm sorry. Wow. And this came from a 13-year-old, you know? And like, when I'm listening to your story and and like what your dad went through, and here you thought I went through a lot. It's like nothing in comparison to what your father went through and how those 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 things he went through in his life created, um, I'm guessing, such a, uh, a numbness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you said that it's hard to know the impact or hard to find the words, the word that came to my, ma- my, my mind was heal. Wow. That heal, when he called you, yeah. there was a healing for both you and for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I want to I wanna wrap it up, um, and I want to wrap it up with this, just because it came to me in the moment, so I'm going to say it. Adolf Hitler, Yamach Shemo, and Yamach Shemo means may his name be erased in Hebrew. He, he murdered millions of people. And he did that through his mouth. He did it all through his mouth. That was it. That was his weapon. Millions of people, women, children, just massacred, massacred because of his ability to speak. He had a, an incredible way with his words he was able to persuade a a whole nation of people to do the most heinous things and if one man through the power of speech can murder millions of people then one man or woman through the power of speech can save millions of people Mary um, thank you so much for coming on the show I really, really appreciate it. Um, Thank you for letting me pick your brain. And thank you to my fellow brain pickers. I'm looking forward to the day when I'll be picking your brain. You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.